welcome to Psychobabble. My name is Hannah Speer. I'm a medical doctor with six years experience as a psychiatric resident and a degree in psychotherapy from the University of Zurich. I live in Switzerland with my husband and three small kids. You're listening to Are We Doomed to Become Parents of Teens with Mental Disorders? Mental Health Obsession, Social Contagion and Social Media. Hashtag mental health now has over 68 billion views. Hashtag ticks has 4.2 billion. Hashtag borderline personality disorder, 1.5 billion. And hashtag dissociative identity disorder has 1.3 billion. TikTok is taking over the world, its algorithms pruned by an army of psychologists to suck teens in and spend hours watching reel after reel. With teens now spending up to nine hours of screen time a day, what could possibly go wrong? Dissociative identity disorder, aka multiple personality disorder, tick disorders, and borderline personality disorder have never had a prevalence rate above 2%. On all the different social media platforms, however, you find communities with aesthetically pleasing videos, romanticizing symptoms and criteria for diagnosing. Influencers give the impression that having the disorder makes you someone. Doesn't it come as a surprise that clinicians everywhere are reporting that teens are self-diagnosing using the exact terms from the diagnostic manual? One study suggests that the prevalence rate of dissociative identity disorder in college students are at almost 12%, which would make it as common as depression. Could this trend have something in common with what makes the rate of autism over the last 20 years go up 241%? Mental health awareness campaigning and cultural shifts reducing stigma have clearly been successful. In the cities now, therapists are a dime a dozen. If this enthusiastic mental health enlightenment is simply enabling discovery of the unidentified sufferers, then I must admit It makes me as a parent somewhat pessimistic. Too much of a good thing is an expression that comes to mind. The social contagion effect. I think it's worth re-examining our devotion to mental health publicity because we're not factoring, factoring in the social contagion effect of mental disorders. There's a body of research showing how we mimic and transfer emotions onto one another subconsciously. If you have a neighbor who's happy, you're 25% more likely to be happy than if you don't. Depression also seems to spread through social networks. I witnessed this type of contagion in my first year of residency at a secured acute psychiatric ward. I was working the night shift and coincidentally, there were four borderline patients in single, single rooms next to each other. One of them experienced an emotional crisis and broke the mirror in her room to cut herself. Shortly after, chaos had reigned and orderlies had rushed to the scene. The patient in the room next to her had done the same. And then the next. 
I spent the whole night suturing self-inflicted wounds, fantasizing about a residency in ophthalmology. Time and time again, we observe how portrayals of suicide in pop culture leads to real spikes in suicide rates. A new study just confirmed how college roommates infect each other with their psychological distress. And another shows how teen girls watching hours of tick videos produce real-life facial tics because of the mimicking that happens subconsciously. Dissociation is a very interesting tool the brain uses in response to an overload caused by severe childhood trauma. I saw it once when I was working in Norway. A young girl walked out onto the icy lake with suicidal intent in what is called a dissociative fugue. The disorder in its real form is not a joke. It's debilitating and isolating. It rarely takes the form portrayed in the movie Split, where it merely provides a colorful character. Neither is it something that should be used by others as some sort of tribal tattoo. Because that is, in effect, a big part of what's going on as well. Much of teenagers' behavior is aimed at gaining a foothold in social groups, finding their tribe, untethering themselves, becoming a separate person from their parents while forming an identity, whatever that really is. We are at our most suggestible between 13 and 17 years old, and our hormonal machinery is firing full speed on all cylinders. Teens are high in eroticism, which makes them volatile and quick to feel negative emotions. These changes alone would make them meet the criteria of more than one mental disorder in the diagnostic manual, which is the reason many psychiatrists hesitate to, to diagnose teenagers at all. Add to the mix the rampant spread of social contagion, the wanting to identify to be like the influencers with the niche mental disorders that come with a community of guaranteed love bombs. I'm surprised there are any healthy teens left at all. Research is emerging demonstrating the link between digital media use and compromised mental health, clearly showing the substantial increases in adolescent depression and anxiety that began around 2012. This is the year everyone bought an iPhone and social media use went from some have it to almost mandatory. Ten years later, our teens are drowning in a never-ending addictive onslaught of bad trends. Do we need mental health awareness? I do wonder if the stigma around mental disorders still is such that it warrants the risk of social contagion posed when kids see mental disorders all over Netflix, famous people being celebrated for coming out, with mental disorders and suicide helpline help advertisements at every bus stop. We would be better served by merciless campaigning to raise awareness of social contagion and the war raging between us and social media, in which our teens are obliviously being slaughtered at the front. I worry that we're helplessly ill-equipped to win. One might even call it guerrilla warf warfare, seeing as we're never truly alone with our kids. 
our social media adversaries are always hiding right in their hands, ready to affirm any whim and impulse subjected to unwanted parental counseling. They can always seek refuge with the current tribe of their choosing, unvetted by us, because how can we possibly supervise the extensive networks available? Forming our kids into functioning, healthy adults is a parent's ultimate mission and in society's best interest. The parents are the soldiers, soldiers we need to mobilize, but they need to be armed with better information and confidence to act on it. While we might be powerless against many factors contributing to illness, we could find ways to exert influence over the environment surrounding teens. That's only possible if we're made aware by appropriate campaigning of the degree of harm that environment has the potential of inflicting. To counter guerrilla warfare, we are dependent on accurate intel by experts and given the means to drive a wedge between the locals and the guerrilla soldiers. Parents could band together in insisting on parental controls, phone-free mandatory family time, extracurricular phone-free activities with actual face-to-face -face interaction with peers, and maybe altogether disallowing the worst social media offenders. It would help not to hear, but all my friends are doing it quite so often. That and the de-romantization of mental disorders on all channels would really increase our chances of success. Thank you for listening to Psychobabble. Visit my Substack and subscribe and share with your friends. Have a nice day.